Welcome to Bites of Light with Angel and Seth Rohr. We provide bite-sized nuggets of wisdom to feed your soul, expand your awareness, and free your mind to help you create a more beautiful today and a brighter tomorrow. Join us in our magical kitchen as we serve up another high-vibe snack for your soul. Welcome back to another episode of Bites of Light, Snacks for Your Soul. And today we have an amazing and wonderful guest with us, Dr. Stephen Farmer. Thank you so much for coming and spending some time with us. Oh, yeah. Very, very pleased to be here. Thank you, Angel. Thank you, Seth. Yes. So the first time I met you was at the Gathering of the Shamans, the very first time the event took place. And I was thinking about how our interactions came to be the first time we saw each other. And I can remember sitting in the airport, getting ready to go, having your earth magic book. That was one of my first spiritual awakenings through that book. Like that was a huge part of my process and wanting to come to the gathering of the shamans because knowing that you were going to be there and that I was going to get to meet you. So, you know, I've been following your work for a really long time and part of your earth magic oracle cards have been a very big part of my process and tools that I use. And I'm dying to, to have a further conversation around what you do and specifically the animal medicine with this new book that we have coming out, Bites of Light, Evolving Leadership for the Spiritual Entrepreneur, which you have graciously given us a recommendation for. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you just give us a little bit about how you got started and and the animal medicine piece and all the good things. First, I want to say congratulations, you know, on the book. You know, I know what it takes to put something together like that. And then ultimately to have it published too. So there's a lot of work to go into it. Sometimes people will say, I'm going to write a book. Good, you know, good for you. Just hang in there, you know, because it takes a lot to do. Let's see, how did I get started? I'm going to be relatively brief about that. But as a psychotherapist, I had a very active practice as a therapist. I think I did some good work, you know, in a lot of different kind of trainings, hypnosis, well, somatic experiencing, which is somatic therapy for trauma recovery, basically. Oh, geez, EMDR. I'm, you know, just different trainings that I've had. And I I really love my work. I feel really blessed and grateful. And then, you know, things as happens, I think even people I talk with and I work with, you know, there's a point comes in one's life when you start to feel like a, a kind of a wriggling. I don't know how to describe it. You know, there's a few words, but just like ready for something new. You know, something's emerging, you know, I don't quite know what it is. And I like that way of describing it. It's emerging. And that was shamanism. A friend gave me a book called Way of the Shaman by Michael Harner, who I attribute, he's ancestor now. Thank you, Michael. Um, Attribute, that was really the start of it. That really kicked me into gear. I was very curious. My partner at the time, she was very supportive of that. So I went to a two day workshop on the introduction to shamanism, you know, what he called core core shamanism, which is taking a lot of the different trainings. He was an anthropologist, excuse me, not trainings, but different belief systems and ways of working with that general realm of shamanism from various indigenous cultures and sort of cold from it for the contemporary culture to introduce that, you know, as yes, you can do this, you know, you, you certain practices, etc. I went to the two day course 
And not that you, you know, it's not about becoming a shaman too. I got to dispel that myth. It's not, that's not the point. You know, a shamanic practitioner, shamanic healer, that's what I call myself. I don't pretend to be a shaman. You know, I have no desire to claim that there's no reason to, although people call me a shaman. It's okay if they want to call that, but I've been called a few other names too, but let's put that aside, not for our show here. <laughs> anyway, I came out of there really on fire, Angel I, I, and Seth. I, I just really knew this was the next step. And so then I, I was gobbling up trainings and, and Hawaiian shamanism, let's say Tibetan shamanism, what else, Celtic more with what Michaels and his wife's organization, Foundation for Shamanic Studies, they offered other courses too from other people that had been trained. So I was taking courses, you know, just gobbling stuff up and integrating it as much as possible. And then I'm here with a psychotherapy practice, you know, so how do I integrate or what do I do? And ultimately what I did is I retired the practice. You know, I closed the practice down, went full, full speed into shamanism, started writing. I'd written some books as a therapist. I got four books that were published and then nothing for a few years. And then shamanism came along. And so then I started writing in that genre. And I, my intention was very clear. It was like to take elements of shamanism and shamanic practice and introduce them to, I won't say mainstream, but a larger audience. Mm -hmm. The first book in that, that arena was Sacred Ceremony. And the idea was to call or take different ideas about sacred ceremony or sacred rituals and give it a bit how that you, like you too can do this at home, you know, and it really involves being able to make some kind of connection and honoring it as sacred. That when you go out and do a dance under the full moon, you know, it's not, it's yes, it's just dancing under the full moon, but it could be dancing to thank grandmother moon. You know, right. to start to to think differently about the relationship with the natural world. I think that's one of the greatest gifts that the advent of contemporary shamanic practice has brought to us as an awakening. We have we have been so friggin' forgetful, you know, about our, our relationship. I mean a felt embodied felt relationship with the natural world. And we're doing the best we can, you know, to regain that, to remember, to put that together. You know, remember, if you look at it, literally means put it together again, mm -hmm. you know, versus dismember, pull it apart. Remember right. to touch that deep memory, that ancestral memory of what it was like to live, not on the land, but with the land. That's a tough one. Yeah. It's a tough one. Yeah. We have these things and you won't, you can't see this, of course, but, you know, cell phones, computers, TVs, this and that, you know, so many things that we can get distracted by. Yeah. But why not, you know, even though in the 60s, uh, you know, there was a name for hippies called tree huggers. <laughs> I want to say, yeah, let's bring that back. Go ahead, hug a tree, you know, breathe with the tree, you know, put your back up against her spine. You know, feel the presence that's there, not just the physical presence, but the spiritual presence, the life force, the emanation from that, and know that you're connecting it with your own life force in some fashion. It's often one that you can't, you can't think about it. <laughs> you go do, and then you experience it. In fact, on one, one of my forays and lis listening to my uh, team, I, it was so simple, I, and it almost sounds too simple when you think about it, but 
uh, we were in a dialogue. This is what I do. I'm one of those weird people, you know, professional weird people. You know, I get paid for it. But, <laughs> yeah, yes, again, I'm preaching to the choir, as they say. But anyway, this is this last piece, and then I was shut up for a bit. I was having a conversation, which is not unusual for me, as I'm walking my dogs in the evening. And I just questions, philosophizing about life, you know, and all I heard, and it re kept repeating, it repeated, I think, about two more times, life is just about experience, period. Everything else is details. <laughs> That's a tough one, you know, to just remain in experience, you know, presence is involved, you know, really being present. So I had an experience just earlier today that where I wasn't present. You know, I was carrying my coffee cup from this morning out and I put it on wrongly on the counter and it spilled. And I went, Stephen, there you go again. You weren't here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm saying a lot, you know, but that's my story. I, I, and I really enjoy it. I, I synthesized my work now, mainly what I, now I won't say mainly, but one of the strong components of what I've, op I've been offering here the last, I think about the last three years is a mentorship program. You know, I've got my, well, white or whatever you want to call it. It's white hair, really, but gray or white. And I am, I suppose, technically an elder of the tribe. And so a lot of my experiences and what I've gained along the way, I'll, I get to offer that to people, you know, as a, truly as a mentor. Yeah. And I really like that. I jokingly say, because I get to tell people what to do, but you right. know, it's not, quite, <laughs> not, not quite, you know, it's a collaborative process, definitely. So that's a large component, and I still do work with healing, you know, healing work, et cetera, and workshops, like you mentioned, the gathering of shamans. Yeah. You know, I, wow, that's, I had forgotten that, and thank you for reminding me. That's right, that's where we met, the very first one. Wow. Because yeah. it's been on, it's probably about six, seven years now that it's been going on every year. Yeah. And during pandemic online, but now it's live and in action coming right up here, actually, in Sedona. Yeah, so beginning of May. Are you guys going? I'm not going this yeah, year, this unfortunately. Year. Yeah. Yeah. That's right in the middle of our book stuff. And yeah, with this book launch happening, we're going to be in Salt Lake the week after that. So Good for you. Jorge, Good for you. Jorge Luis Delgado, who is going to be at the Gathering of the Shamans with you, is yeah. actually coming to our house and spending a couple of days with us. And then we're driving to Salt Lake City and we're doing an event with him in Salt Lake City the week after Gathering cool. of the Shamans. Cool. Yeah. Say hi to him. You know, we I did. Will something yeah. together too a while back about three years ago yeah, yeah absolutely. so anyway that's how i got that's how I, pardon <laughs> you'll get to see him in may oh okay good yeah. that's right no, i'll say hi to him there okay yeah he's we'll gonna be at the gathering of the shamans this year yeah that's coming up what may 4th through 7th i think yeah yeah great so anyway that's that's how i evolved into doing shamanic healing like i say equipment practice i really dedicated um you know, my energies, you know, to shamanism and shamanic healing and just amazing, you know, what can be done with it. And it, again, I think the fundamental purpose in the larger sense of why are we being drawn to shamanism is that it is much a, an earth-based practice, you know, that we recognize and acknowledge, not just mentally and philosophically, but we do our best, you know, to live some of the principles and one of the main principles is to really yeah that's a tree but so much more than a tree right yeah so it's, it's i describe it as the relationship with life 
right? That's the shamanic practices, establishing that relationship with life, engaging with life. Yeah. And you can't do that if your mind is taking you into the future and you're always thinking about what, what you're going to be doing, what could be happening. That's where that presence comes in. If you're not, if you're not present in this moment, if you're stuck in the past and, and dealing with all those things that don't exist anymore, or you're trying to project out into the future to another place that doesn't exist, you're not here where things do exist in this present moment and yeah. building that relationship with life itself. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, Seth. Yeah, it's it's astounding to me, especially after you know a lot of the work that I've done, that I can do something so idiotic as spilling my coffee in the morning because well, I we're was still in a human soul basket, right? <laughs> drifting. Yeah, you know. So, well, I just had a conversation earlier about ego and spirit. You know, and I, there's there's some traditions that feel like, oh, we got to get rid of the ego, and I say baloney. You know, the ego is an important part of our makeup. You know, it's. And the word that came up in the conversation was subjugation, you know, to, to as best we can to learn how to subjugate the ego. And what that means to me is not that it's an underling or there's a hierarchical or a status thing or something like that. It's just that, you know, the ego is part of what got me here. Right. You know, I, you know, I confess, I like the accolades. I like people, you know, the feedback that I get from people. I like it. That's my ego. Mm -hmm. you know, that's okay. I don't need, I don't need it to survive. I don't need it to do my work, but boy, when it comes through, I feel I, I just grateful. And as I was told recently, I reminded recently, Stephen, you know, appreciation and gratitude. Keep those in focus, keep those in focus. So it's the relationship, even though it's not really dual, dualistic, it's the relationship between spirit and ego that we develop that capacity or that remembrance Mm -hmm. of how we can communicate with spirit, not in just an etheric sense, an abstract sense that it's out here, but I can walk outside my backyard in their spirit. Right. I can look up that I can climb a mountain, their spirit, mm -hmm. you know, that the, the earth is truly alive. Like you were referring to Seth, you know, that it's life, you know, that it's our relationship with life, specifically life, in the natural world that is an emanation. Every aspect of the physical beings in this world are emanations of spirit or God, if you prefer, I don't care what you prefer. Of course. Yeah, universe. The force. Yeah. Use the force, <laughs> Luke. Yeah, good old Luke. Thanks, Luke. Use the force. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so that, yeah. And again, I, I do feel, I'd say much of the time, most of the time, really, just really grateful you know, an experience to have a conversation with the two of you. Yeah. Grateful for that. Grateful that the works that I've put out there have had some influence, you know, and had some effect. Or as a friend of mine said, I live my life. How did you put it? Let me see if I can catch it. I live my life as, as if what I do is really important, knowing that 3,000 years from now, it probably won't matter. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Well, it's both, you know, it's a both end. It's not either or. People get caught up in the, oh, does it really matter, you know, whatever. Not. There's so much stuff going on right now in the world. You know, the planet's evolving like it's been doing for billions of years. And we're kind of caught up in that evolution in so many different ways. What I've been thinking about lately, if I may just, yep. you know, riff a little bit. Mm -hmm. I started this article. We'll see if it becomes an article. I don't know, but it felt good to write it. You know, it felt really good. Once I get into my writing, I love it. You know, it's like 
absorbed with it. But the title is really what intrigued me, that came to me, Embracing Chaos and Uncertainty. And then the subtitle, Finding Sanctity in the Craziness of the World. And, you know, that's, that sounds great. And in fact, I started the article with, you know, what do you mean embracing? You know, if you embrace something, does it mean it's going, you know, it's going to overwhelm you, you know, especially chaos and uncertainty. But I think that a lot of people are feeling that. Of course. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's a, if you will, amongst humans where we, if there's a collective that experiences enough of a certain, let's say emotion, you know, that, that that vibe, if you will, that wave, that psychic wave, however you might say it, will spread in effect, especially empaths. Right. People, and I would include the two of you in that and your listeners as well. A sensitivity that's, say, above and beyond the norm. Mm -hmm. And so we pick up on that fear, you know, in some way. I've really noticed it in simple ways, you know, and I think the pandemic sort of emphasize that or highlighted it, you know, you know, social distance, you know, keep away from other people because you might catch the bug. Right. Mm -hmm. Such a crazy time for two years, but something shifted and I'm aware of it in myself as well as others. You know, I observe people, for instance, I walk, I live in a fairly suburban neighborhood. You know, people think I have a 30 acre ranch or something out in Colorado. No, I live in Dana Point in a really nice neighborhood, you know, and God put me here, I think, to go knock it off, Barbara, get over your arrogance, you know, it's a good neighborhood, you know, you got a nice house, you know, blah, 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 be grateful. But anyway, I'll notice that, you know, with the neighbors sometimes, you know, and we've lived here a few years, but especially in the twilight hour, you know, if people walking their dogs, we've got a real dog community here. I'll say, and this has happened like three times, you know, where I'll go, somebody's in the other side of the street walking and I'll go, hey, neighbor, how you doing? Nothing. Mm -hmm. And I go, wow, this is so interesting. And then I look at myself and, you know, there's, I got a list here, not a big list, but there's one, two, three people that have been on my list this last week to reach out to. And I could feel this, this sort of reluctance, you know, and again, shadows that come up. Oh, I'm so busy. I've got so many things to do. You know, my, I mean, here, look at this list, you know, I must be important, you know, that kind of stuff. And I, I say that without shame or guilt. I just recognize it, that it's there. And I know that I'll act on it, you know, eventually, but there's this, I could feel this tug to just stay safe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there is this duality. You know, if we go back, circle back to staying in the present and, you know, honoring life, as Seth had said, but, you know, in shamanism, we know that there's cycles in the earth and death is a very important part of the human condition about the earth itself. Mama Gaia goes through a death cycle as well, winter, right? The winter season. And so many humans are afraid of that. A lot of their fear comes from the root is, you know, I'm going to die. And so for me, my last couple of years going through this journey of shamanism and having some near-death experiences myself over the last couple of years, 
stepping into that present space, knowing this is just is what it is. This is where I'm at in this moment and, and trying to wrangle that fear that comes up inside our bodies because we've been programmed to believe that death is bad, right? We, we've attached these labels to it. And I think shamanism has really helped me in that, in that, in that realm understand a little bit deeper about the winter cycles, the death cycles, and you know, coming from the high performance trampoline community, every time one of my national athletes stepped on the trampoline, they were putting their life at risk. You know, the one second that you are not fully present with your body when you're jumping 25 feet in the air and multiple flips and twists, there is a risk that you you could kill yourself. And we did see it in our world. So coming with that kind of background, knowing how to hold that space with, with people that were, were afraid for their lives. And I did that for a living for 30 years, mm. bring all that knowledge base into kind of like what you did with your, your practice of in psychology and then coming into this, we choose to, to bring what worked out of that world and marry it with the new stuff we're learning. And this is where some of this new language, and that's what we talk about the evolving leadership that we're trying to bring forward is understanding that we can walk in both worlds without fear. It's a good way to put it is walking in both worlds, you know, having the bridge accessible as much of the time as possible. Right. <laughs> That's the bridge right. between ordinary and reality. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's an experience. There's been an advent lately, you know, I'm sure you're aware of it, you know, uh, Michael Pollan wrote a book, which I was so happy to see called How to Change Your Mind. Yes, it's mm -hmm. wonderful. And it's about the advent of, of explorations, shall we say, with sacred plant medicine. That's right. Yeah. The two best known are ayahuasca and yeah. right. there's also a couple others, you know, lurking around there like MDMA is being used in therapy sessions for PTSD, etc. Right. But and also breath work. I want to add one other piece to that breath work, which is you don't have to take any substances other than air. Absolutely. Um, and people who don't want to indulge in, let's say, mushrooms or ayahuasca, don't blame you. You know, that's scary friggin' stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it can be. Terrence McKenna years ago wrote a book called Food of the Gods, and that's what he was talking about. And he says, if you aren't scared, you're planning to do something like this, something's wrong. Right. <laughs> because there's a party. You have healthy gonna... respect for it, right? Yeah. There's a party that's going to die. Yeah. No doubt. And again, I, I, it's a long story. I won't go into it, but I had an initiation like that, a shamanic initiation up on mile high in the sky on Cone Peak in the Ventana Wilderness, which is typically called Big Sur. And I changed my life. You know, it really, if I had any doubts about shamanism and shamanic practice being part of it, whoa, you know, it zoomed me into this and then integrated process. The reason I'm bringing that up is that's, that's one thing that has become, you know, I, I think it's still used as more like tripping, you know, which is fine. But ayahuasca, for instance, there's so much involved, you know, with ayahuasca. It's a longstanding traditional medicine from South America that people have journeyed to South America, you know, to partake in this. And this is with shamans not right. shamanic practitioners, but shamans who have a lineage behind them of sometimes literally thousands of years. Yeah. 
and working with this. Metams, on the other hand, are they're readily available. So they can be both used as, dare I say, you know, to trip out on, but I wouldn't recommend it. I would treat it also as a sacred medicine, you know, because it opens up as Aldous Huxley called it, the doors of perception. (sighs) You know, the doors or the cloudy windows, you know, open up. So we begin to see something beyond ordinary reality. Now, there's one thing I mentioned is breathwork, for instance like holotropic breath work, Stanislav Grof's work, you know, that he's brought into the world. You know, he used to do LSD therapy in the 60s and then it became illegal. So he shifted over and he discovered that a certain kind of breathing pattern can induce an altered state. And having done several sessions of breath work and actually have run workshops on it, I can, I can testify to that. We can testify to that as well. Okay. You guys know, okay. (laughs) You you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's, well, yeah, there's ways, you know, and that's one way that's, that's really safe. You know, if you get scared, you just stop, you know, that you have, you have access to the gas pedal. And I think that's what the difference is between the plant medicine and breath work is that the, the plant medicine, you have to completely surrender and you go for the ride. And with breath work, you have a little bit more control about how deep you go. I know. Yeah. Like halfway through the mushroom journey, you go, okay, I'm done. Yeah, and you're like, no, mama guy is like, oh no, sweetheart, we just started. Yeah, right. Yeah, you haven't seen anything yet. Here we're gonna show you a few other things, you know, here. Yeah. Some are gonna scare you a little bit, but that's right. You know, dude, you're gonna be okay. You'll survive. You will now have healthy respect for plants. That was my experience, anyways. Yeah, yeah. The other one is though, lest I forget, is the basic fundamental practice in shamanism, which is the shamanic journey. Having mentioned the plant medicine, yes, that's a shamanic journey. Breathwork, I consider that to be a shamanic journey. It depends partly on your set when you go in, but really these are. But again, there's another way to do it. You know, it could be done through chanting, through drumming, through rattling, but inducing an altered state with some practice so that you can travel into what, again, Harner called non-ordinary reality. And there you work with helping spirits. And then you bring that information back either to serve some healing process with yourself or the community or the individual that you're working with, whatever it may be. And I tell you, it's phenomenal. You mentioned near-death experience, um, which, you know, if you really did die, then it's a death experience, but you come back, you know, it's kind of- Well, I believe you, I believe you can reincarnate in the same in, in the same life cycle. I, I feel like I've done it. So good know. way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here we go again. Okay. Next. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Next sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, the journey itself is a fundamental practice that if anyone who's listening is interested in shamanism, I highly recommend it. There are, there's places that you can look up, just look it up, you know, shamanic shamanism training, et cetera, et cetera. And you'll find places where you can get some initial training in it. And one I highly recommend is the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, shamanism.org, shamanism.org. And that's uh, Michael and Sandra, his wife, Sandra, Michael and Sandra Harner's foundation that was created. Sandra's still alive. Michael has passed on. He's now ancestor. He's left quite a legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, where was I? Just anyway, that's another way to access this place that we're calling non-ordinary reality. Right. The other piece of that is is to develop relationship with your spirit guides. 
Yes. Back to the animal medicine, for instance. Mm -hmm. One of the first spirit guides that came to me in a men's event, and it was a meditation. I had no idea about power animals, spirit animals, totem animals, or anything like that. But we were standing, and I can't remember, I think we danced a little bit or something like that. And then we went into this meditation, this guided meditation, and it was to find an animal that really resonated with you. Mm-hmm. Snake. Mm. Came up. I went, interesting. Okay, I'll take it. And subsequent to that, it was probably, oh, just a handful of years later. That's when I e- evolved and started looking into shamanism and learned that snake really was not just a spirit animal, because there is a distinction, but what I would deem a power animal. Power animal, yeah. And power animals are those spirit animals that we develop a long-standing relationship with, typically. And they come and go, you know, I mean, over years, you know, they can come and go. You can, yes, you can have more than one, but we're not looking to have 23 power animals, you know, or something like that. That's, you don't need that many, you know, one, maybe two, depending upon your work. If you do shamanic work, you might find over years, like like I have, that certain ones come in with certain medicine or gifts. Example would be snake. I learned since snake came to me a story that I heard, and I, I don't recall some of the specifics, but it was a Native American tribe that someone came forward and was being called to be what we would call a shaman. So the community gathered around in circle, set the fire up in the middle, and this individual would dance around the fire and they would throw rattlesnakes. And this individual would get bitten. (laughs) And if they survived, they were considered to be a great healer. Wow. There's a metaphor there. You can hear it, you know, but but also the that story itself has lent credence to this idea that snake spirit is definitely the one, actually I call two snakes now, but two snakes or snake spirit is the one that I call on for any kind of healing work that I'm specifically shamanic healing work that I may be doing. What you see in this image over here that I'm pointing to is a piece of work by a friend of mine in Australia. And he did this at my request, and it's also in the the Earth Magic Oracle cards. It's the DNA card. Mm -hmm. And that comes from some study that took me further into uh, a book called The Cosmic Serpent. Highly recommend it. One of my favorites. I've heard of that. I have not read that one yet. Check it out. You know, it's, I've read it twice. You know, it's one of the few books I've read more than once. The Cosmic Serpent, Jeremy Narby, N-A-R-B-Y. I think it's phenomenal. As an anthropologist, a pretty straightforward anthropologist that read something in Michael Harner's book about, you know, these beings that came across time and space. And he had a, Harner had a little footnote said, I don't I'm not a microbiologist, but it might, it kind of reminded me of DNA. He went, ah, bingo. So he investigated different images of snakes and serpents and how many there are on so many different cultures, not just the intertwined, you know, but serpents themselves, sometimes in twos like this, 
and his premise, which I think is an interesting one, is that early shamans were seeing DNA, but they had no represent, you know, yeah, nothing they didn't know how to translate DNA. what they were seeing. Oh, right? snakes, two snakes, the intertwined serpents. Look at the AMA, the caduceus. Yes. You'll see one example of that. Yeah. So that led me to actually when I, on my 70th birthday, I decided I want to get a tattoo, you know, because my dad and my grandpa both died at 69. I thought, well, okay, for whatever, the grace of God, you know, I'm still breathing and still healthy. So I got a, I got this tattoo wow. on the left shoulder, you know, as a marker of, on many different levels. Anyway, I, I kind of went off on that. I hope that's okay. Well, snake, snake medicine is actually really big and, you know, representing the Kundalini energy and, you know, the priest and priestess, like that is teacher medicine as well. Oh, you know, that's it. You know, again, it's all over. In, so in it doesn't area. surprise me that you, you've been drawn to it and to the point where you want to put it on your body because that is the mission that you've accepted. And yes, and it, 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 you know, that's what I, that's my purpose, you know, so I'm a, te a teacher healer, you know, and I came for it in those two words. And I sometimes say I, I, I'd add communicator to that too, but I'm not sure my wife would agree all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but we do pretty well, you know, I think so. But anyway, yeah, I'm a healer and a teacher and that's, that's, that's what I'm here for. Well, and, and being a healer and being a, a teacher, also, you know, you use the word communicator, but for me, it is translator. You know, when we step into those realms, like you said, we go in and, and do go into dream time, get the information, and then it's our jobs to translate it, you know, and, and, and in my apprenticeship with Miguel, like with the, the Ruizes, he said, you know, when, when you go in and, and translate it, as soon as you put human language into it, then it's no longer the truth because it's still coming through your filters and your perceptions. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it is hard to translate that experience. Like you said, they saw the two snakes and didn't realize that it might've been DNA, what they were looking at. Yeah. But as humans, we do the best we can with the, and try to clear our vessels as much as we can so that we can be clean mirrors, that we can translate it to the best of our abilities. And that's why, with our book, we use the word evolving leadership because we're trying to bring new language to what's already there through our perceptions and, and the channeled spaces that Seth and I are in and then the other people that have collaborated in this book. It's our translation of what we're channeling from source. Of the experience, yeah. Right. And the information you're receiving. Yes, I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah I, have, I have a practice of, I would say almost every morning, you know, there's exceptions, of course, you know, but I, I, I don't, I don't formally meditate, like you usually think of meditating, what I'll do is I'll sit down, pull my computer up, you know, get it going, place my hands on the proper place on the keyboard, and then, you know, put the date in, and then I'll write a little bit like a journal you know, what's going on, I might have questions that come up experiences, etc. So I might write a paragraph or so. And then I shift gears. I sometimes stand up, walk around a little bit, come back and replace it. And just with the breath, because I can access an altered state pretty quickly. Yeah. I might hear from the ancestors. I might hear from, I just, one I call the raven, sometimes pipes in. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know, wants to talk. So that's great. Whoever's, whoever, you know, ancestors quite often. And I just start downloading. It's the best way I'd describe it. It really is like a download. Like yeah, you said, absolutely. I translate, you know, whatever's coming through, I translate, but I'm, 
my ego is like over here right. i'm not trying to censor eliminate you know correct the spelling or any of that stuff the funny part is when i accidentally hit the cap lock you know and all of a sudden everything's in <laughs> i go wait a minute maybe that's meant to be you know right. so I'll take a look at it like shouting at me but it's a great exercise I, and that's one way i encourage people you know to try something a little different you know to do translate what you receive whether you write it by hand which um client that i've talked with you know she writes it by hand what she gets it's amazing the messages that come through and the clarity yeah. not just for the individual necessarily but so especially in the position i'm in to be able to put it out in some way right you know, to take the translation from the download and be able to further translate it you know into a, a wider field if you will websites social media and all that stuff yeah yeah and that is a gift to be able to do that so and fun. yeah the, the years and years of practice and you know it becomes muscle memory like you said you 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 can put yourself into that altered state quickly but that it's muscle memory it's the same thing i was teaching my athletes you know it's yes it, it the more you do it just like anything else in your life if you want to be able to have these skills you can't just go to a weekend workshop and expect to have mastery it's just like everything else the the consistency and the practice has to be there until you can embody it until right. like you said Stephen, you can sit down at the computer and just go okay it's time boom that takes mastery that yeah. that takes practice finding you know? a good way to be consistent with it and i think it's a good point to for the listeners that there's lots of ways to do what people refer to as meditation yeah you know we, oh. we typically think of it as you got to go sit quietly in the dark space for minutes, hours, weeks, days, you know, and, right. and it's not, that's just not true. Any way that you develop that allows you to access that, that non-ordinary reality, the ancestors that, you know, that space outside of our, you know, our time, that's your meditation. Oh yeah. Yeah. Our goal is to be in walking meditation. Like you can't, wouldn't it be great if we could just live in that space all the time? You know, that's what I strive for that, that presence and that calm and that peace, that aligned space. You know, we, we try to maintain that all the time. And that's why I talk about work walking in both worlds. Can you do that and engage in the matrix at the same time and still hold yourself in the center? Uh, one of my favorite is this come up a lot lately is before Zen chop wood, carry water after Zen chop wood, carry water. Right. In other words, it's a great saying. It's like, yeah, you know, you can go into the mystery and have some kind of relationship that you've you consciously developed with the mystery, to use a one way to describe it. And then you gotta go and do the dishes, you gotta clean up the kitchen, you know, you gotta take the trash out, you know, all that stuff. But you can do it with a, a different sense about you. You know, that you're you're more aware, shall we say? You're aware of that, that bridge sometimes will disappear and you'll just see or feel or sense or think or whatever it may be that something's, something else is happening. You know, it takes us maybe out of the presence, but into a different kind of presence. Mm -hmm. you know, well, I like to think when you're, when you're doing your dishes and you're taking out the trash, to me that you're cleaning your physical space, which is Mother Earth, but our bodies are Mother Earth. So when you're cleaning that space, you're also cleaning yourself. So I, I've kind of, it's sacred cleaning. 
sacred cleaning. Okay. And again, it's a, it's that's a good way to put it. You know, good way to put it is if you're aware. Yeah. You're aware of the presence. You know, capital. Feng Shui. Our 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 publisher Laura. She says Feng Shui your soul. Right. You're not just Feng <laughs> Shui your your external. Yeah. You're Feng Shuiing here too. Yeah. Yeah. That's well put. To not not sacrifice one relationship for the other right don't if you're in such deep pursuit of the mystery as you call it which i think is a great way to describe it that you neglect your relationship with life here on earth that we're here to experience and if you only like i'm only, I'm only going to just do life then you never explore that relationship with the mystery and mm -hmm. mystery those two relationships build on each other and they create you know a, a more a, a, I guess a deeper relationship with both. So walking in that, that walking, That's why in, both walking worlds in both worlds is a, that yeah. balance. not neglecting right. one for the other. Yeah. So, it comes to mind again, when I, the, the story I told earlier that life is about experience, you know, yeah. we get tangled up in this and that, especially when you're, you're pulled by or pushed by or kicked into this awakening process, it can become consuming after workshop, after workshop, after workshop, after workshop, after workshop, you know, and not to put that down. I don't, it sounds like I'm putting it down and not because everybody does what they need to do and God bless you for doing that. But it is an awakening process. And I think that's a great term. Those two words, awakening process is a process right. for sure. You know, suddenly I'm awake. Okay, good. And then two minutes later, I spill coffee on myself. You know? Well, it's building that spiritual muscle. Yeah. That, that's yeah. the, that's the training over and that's over. That's the practice. Yeah. Amen. That is the practice. And speaking of workshops, you have some stuff coming up. Why don't you? Yeah, I, I'll share that with, I've got the Gathering of the Shamans. I mentioned, I got the dates here. It's May 4th through 7th. And that's in Sedona at this incredible retreat space. That that amazing. And it's called the Mago Retreat Center. Yeah. And uh, those of you who are listening, if you want to have an experience, go there. And then I'm doing a breakout workshop that's connected to, but separate from the main, the, you know, the main retreat. Yeah. And that's going to be on Sunday. On Sunday. Okay. Yeah. It ends like Sunday morning. And then I go into my, my workshop. I'm also doing, I'm going to be a Joshua tree retreat center twice. One coming right up April 27th through the 31st with my dear friend and colleague, Marissa Ryan, very gifted psychic medium. We've been doing this off and on, mostly off during the pandemic, but off and on for, you know, a few years now. And she's delightful to work with. And we have a lot of fun and just these miraculous experiences take place. I think we have room for one space in the retreat center, I think. And, but we're also saying, if you still want to come, you can come, but you have to find housing right. outside of the retreat center. And then with some other colleagues, which should be fun, this will be a first time with Marilyn Aloria, who again is also a psychic medium and Anna Maria Vasquez, who also deals a lot with animal medicine. The three of us are putting on something in October at Joshua Tree Retreat Center. I think we're calling it deep dive in the desert. So I'm going to be a little busy here and there, and I'm looking forward to actually getting with three-dimensional people and then working with other dimensions, if you will, you know, at the same time. Oh, it's a lot of fun. And thanks for asking, yeah, before we closed. And I wanted to make sure that. And also, people can, you know, you can sign up for my newsletter, go to my website. It's dr, like drstephenfarmer.com, real easy to remember. Explore there. There's articles. There's all sorts of good stuff there that you can check into. And again, I congratulate you on your book. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. When's it going to be out? When's it going to be out? 
Summer solstice is launch yep. date, June, June 21st. Yeah. Yeah. Coming yeah. Right. Very excited about that. And it's just been such a pleasure to have you yes, along my honor. journey and Thank your you books both. and your, like I said, your two Oracle decks are some of my favorites that I use. And I, I just love you. Thank you so much for shining your light on this planet and being who you are. And returning to you too. Thank you both, you know, for the work that you're doing. And thank you to the listeners for being here as well. I hope you, yeah. I know there's, there's great material here to, to snack on and, and feed your soul as, as we say. So you got it. Thank you. All so right. Much. Thanks. All right. Thank you. All my love. All my love. Good question. Thank you for sharing your time and energy with us. The best way to help us spread this message is to rate, review, and subscribe. If this episode impacted you in any way, share it with others, post about it on social media, or put something in the comments. Also, check out our website for upcoming events and books at www.roarrevolution.com. All our gratitude and love. All our love. See you soon.